the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So we will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Welcome to the Bible Live. I am John Harrison, sitting in Soapy's seat this evening, and we have on the phone your friend and mine, Jacob. Hi. Can you hear me okay there, John? I can hear you just fine. Can you hear what's playing? Yeah, uh, I only hear you, and that's fine. Are you there? There we go. Now you can hear it. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Because I knew I got, we were going I into got, Jeremiah tonight. We're going to be doing Jeremiah this time. Correct? Oh, that's, that's very, very, very good. Uh, and I know I asked you if you knew the lines. You knew, all, you knew all the lines. I sure did. So what is the second line in Chapter 17? No, I'm kidding. Uh, okay. Uh, in what book? In what book? Oh, Jeremiah, of course. Oh, oh, you mean the Bible. Okay. See, they yeah. call me call me Ishmael. Uh, uh, okay, well, you know what that means, right? What does that mean? Well, it depends on who's interpreting it, but it can mean uh, God hears, or it uh, could mean uh, actually it could be Ish can be man, and there is a way of interpreting it that says God, man, what God? Okay, I have to ask, uh, not to veer off too much off topic, but. Where is our friend Soapy this evening? He was in Colorado. 
Ah. He's at one of those big fancy seminars that he goes to because, you know, Soapy, uh, you know, he's pretty well respected in, in the Campus Crusades and the other ministries around. And as you know, he puts on the uh, National Day of Prayer, so he's a very, very prestigious guy. And I'm just lucky that I get to call him by his first name, Soapy. Uh, we're all lucky we get to hear him here on, San, on the San Antonio Airwaves uh, here on KSLR. Yeah, well, anyway, John, you're right. We're going to talk about Jeremiah tonight. And actually, we're going to cover from uh, 14 through 31. <clears throat> oh, great. And, yeah. Now, hey, how would you – I know Soapy had left a message he's going to call in uh, and stay on for a couple minutes. He's going to call in, what, in five, ten minutes, something like that? Uh, pretty soon here, pretty soon. Okay, well, here's what uh, – before I start cranking out some interesting questions, and I would like to do a little bit of a finesse tonight, a little differently. I'm going to actually ask people if they would, as it says in the introduction, open up their Bible and actually read a verse. And that way we don't have to worry if we, everybody, nobody has to fear if they get the answer right or wrong. They can just read the verse. But I'd like to start off with this. John, are you aware there's always a controversy that there is, we do not seem to know where the Ark of the Covenant is. I've heard, I've heard about that, yes. Okay. <clears throat> Would it surprise you if uh, the book of Jeremiah tells us uh, something about the missing Ark? Like what, gives us some indication of where it might be? Uh, yes, and I will tell you this, and I, I did look on the Internet today, but I was unable to find it. A few years ago, I actually heard this with my own ears. I'm going to assume my ears were conveying truth to me. As opposed to someone hearing it with someone else's ears. That's right. If I was hearing it with somebody else's ears and they told me that would be hearsay. Anyway, so. So, all right, here's what I heard. I heard the rabbi say this. They had actually, a few years ago, Israel had actually, and I'm kind of uh, building up to the question here, and uh, and something interesting too. The uh, <clears throat> as though the questions may not be, but anyway, Israel had actually gone upon a temple mount. Now you know there is a mosque up there these days, and they actually dug down through the dirt and a lot of several feet. I can't remember how many feet, but there were several feet of dirt had accumulated. Well, they found like a stone trap door. They opened the door. And they had the Israeli soldiers up there, the IDF, and, uh, and they actually let some, they picked some rabbis to go. There was a, was a staircase, uh, cut into like a carved hallway going down into the mountain. Well, that would cause a lot of people to be concerned. A lot of religious people would become zealots. And so everybody was very concerned about that. Anyway, I heard the rabbi. He was one of the rabbis who went down there. They asked him when he came up, and I actually heard him say this. Um, he, they asked him, they said, did you find the Ark of the Covenant? And he said, I have been asked by the state of Israel to not tell anybody what's down there or if we found it. I can only tell you we're not looking for it no more. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Tricky, sneaky yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, I know. And now, now the I now the hot item they've been searching for is the original breastplate, uh. and you know, that the priest would wear. 
And they have assembled a list of all the priests of the tribe of Levi, because the tribe of Levi manages the temple and all the things uh, involving with God and that kind of thing. And but the tribe, but the priests become our descendants of the Aaron. So it's the tribe of Levite, and in the tribe of Levite is Aaron, and his descendants, along with Phineas or Pincus, however you like to say it, uh, he, uh, they are the priest. So they actually then begin, and they now have um, an actual list of running, identifying all the priests of the Cohens from around the world. Okay. Is that interesting? Or what? Oh, yes. So they're wanting, what did you say again, the breastplate? Say what? No, no, no. What did you say they're looking for? Well, the guy, yeah, what the, the hot thing they seem to be looking for these days um, is the breastplate. That's the plate that the priest, the high priest, wore on his chest when he'd go in to talk uh, to God uh, above the ark, because so, God would be invisible, but he would basically appear above the ark. Say. So they're looking for someone's hand-me-downs. Okay. Well, it is. It was passed down from the older brother to the younger and straight on down. In fact, if you'd like to get the idea in your head of what actually takes place, you remember the movie uh, made by Spielberg? Uh, so the Close Encounters of the what third, fourth kind? What it's, is it? It's, it's in theaters right now for the 40th anniversary. Oh, for a week. What, for a week. What a, yeah, what a coincidence, John. Yes, I, I, I just saw it Friday. Yeah, what a coincidence, eh? Yes. Anyway, oh, well, you remember? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there are no there are no conspiracies. There's only coincidences. Anyway, so so actually in the movie, remember Jane John? There's a scene where the uh, the spaceship comes down and they and they flash some lights. And one of the people there in the movie, he presses an organ and it goes like red, blue, green, and then the spaceship will go red, blue, green. Do you remember that scene? Do, 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 do. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, what that is, and of course Spielberg, as we can tell by his name, is Irish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought Jamaican. I, I, I was totally off. Okay. Well, anyway, so, uh, well, see, what you're looking at is how it was done with the breastplate of, that the priest wore on the chest and the ark itself. It was by the lights. And so that's not a made-up scene. They just applied it to, like, an, an alien ship coming down. And what they would do on the breastplate was 12 different stones representing 12 different tribes. And when there would be a, one of the light would come and light up from the ark from God and light up one of the stones. And that would be like, so who should made the war of the, the tribes tomorrow? And maybe the Judah stone would light up, see? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you that in the movie, that's not just made-up stuff. That was just sort of a uh, an application, you might say. No, there's but always I thought a method was, to the madness. There's always some madness to the method, too. Well, that's sure. true, too. Hey, hey, uh, I just want to let the listeners know if they want to contribute to the madness, they can do so by calling us at 340-9585. 340-9585. Okay, that would be great. And if Sophie wants to answer this, and one of the questions, I have a reason for bringing this up first. Not only just to provoke some interest, but we know that evidently, historically, there's been a lot of rumors where the ark is, where it isn't, that kind of thing. But we do know that 
if the Bible is 100% accurate, then nobody can actually successfully carry the ark except the priest. Not the priest, but the tribal Levi, you see. So, um, so if that's the case, then it couldn't, unless the priest toted it to some other country, they couldn't have, it could not have been transported. So it must have still been in Israel. Well, here's the question. Does anybody want to call in before Sobe calls in and maybe shares his thoughts and express what they've heard, what they believe, where the Ark of the Covenant might be today? And if they would like to, they can say what chapter and verses that it says in Jeremiah where the, uh, that the Ark was to be hidden. Okay, so are you Some, saying that, that yeah. anyone who has knowledge or has the answer, might have archaic knowledge? No, I wasn't saying that, but that is a very, very good effort. I like it. I try. I know you do, and I admire that application. Um, (laughs) But what I'm saying is, if somebody has a thought, something to express, or if they want to say, because in the book of Jeremiah, there is a chapter and a couple of verses. And what the understanding of this was is that God told Jeremiah, because we all know the ark supposedly is still missing, or maybe in reality is missing. But the question is, when did it come up missing? How? Why? Who hid it? Well, it's, it's Jeremiah. Ah. And it's in the book of Jeremiah, and basically God says, hey, Go put the ark somewhere, and and it actually goes on to say they'll forget about it. They'll forget where it's at. And in today's world, it seems to be where we're at. And uh, very few people realize that's actually in the book of Jeremiah. Hmm. Isn't that fascinating, uh, John? Very fascinating. Very fascinating. Okay, well, uh, if anybody wants to call and express an opinion, it doesn't necessarily have to be right. It doesn't necessarily have to be wrong. <laughs> well, who judges if it is or isn't? Well, actually, uh, we, the, he, God says, actually, in a couple of verses later, he says, I'm the judge. I decide. So there you got that one right, John. You get a prize. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> but he, okay. Well, uh, listen, after you pick up my bag. Zero ninety-five eighty-five. since you're saying it again about calling in. Yes, please do. And and I'll tell you what, I'll throw out a couple of the questions, and we'll keep that arc thing going. Okay. Well, okay. well also, when a, so, you know, Sophie and his family, Sophie prepares the questions, and I get the uh, luxury of choosing amongst them. Anyway, one of the questions Sophie would like to ask is, uh, and the answer is in Jeremiah. Everything I be, be talk, will be talking about tonight is Jeremiah. Uh, in 16.2, uh, Jeremiah was told not to do something. And let, and I would like to take an opportunity to clear that up just a tad. And if anybody wants to know what Jeremiah was told to do and what not to do, it's in 16.2, and they could call and answer that question. How does that sound? Fine with me. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. And you, you, you did memorize the number in case you want to call, right? Uh, yes, it's three four zero ninety five eighty five. Great, great, great. Now I am going to go to this other question that Sophie wrote out, uh, and I'm going to uh, embellish with a little more uh, hyper explanation, you might say. 
But um, I'll read the question first of all. This is going to be very interesting, but what's more interesting than just this question is what it, how it has come to express itself in today's world. And and very, very, very few people realize this, and I'm going to tell you where you can verify it and see it for yourself. And I think you and I talked about it last week. But the question is, Jeremiah stood in front of the temple and announced that God would destroy Jerusalem just as he had allowed the destruction of Shiloh in the north. Uh, where where what had been located? And he answers in 26.6. Now, if somebody answers that question, I will, it'll be a great lead-in, 26.6, and it'll be a great lead-in because I will be able to tell something else because it ties into what, about the missing art and it also ties into that question. Now, uh, let me go to one more very interesting thing. Okay? Okay. Okay. I'm glad you're still awake. I'm, I'm awake. Okay. Well, you know what's fascinating? In the book of um, uh, Jeremiah, in chapter 31, 33, and I probably should turn to it so we can take a look at it. I'm not going to in any way jeopardize the question, because I'm going to adapt the question. Okay, John? Okay. Notice, notice I'm skillfully stalling while I'm turning to the chapter. 31, 33. Yes, 31, 33. Okay. Here we are. Now, I will read this. I'm going to read this passage. I'm going to start at uh, actually 32, and it goes like this. Rather, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says God. I will set my Torah among them and inscribe it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one person have to say to a fellow man or his brother, no God, for they will all know me, says God, from the least of them to the greatest of them. I will forgive their sins and remember their iniquities no longer. Now that passage occurs in the book of Hebrew in the New Testament. And one of the questions I'd like to ask is, can anybody call in and say where that passage occurs in the book of Hebrew? It's quoted from Jeremiah. And that is very interesting, because when we get to talk about it a little bit, we'll find that some, that's very interesting. And this is not really a question, but just as a, a point of interest. Um, and, um, see, in Jeremiah 29.10, Jeremiah, God explains Jeremiah, Jeremiah records it, that because of what's happened, the tribe of the nation of Judah, because that's a southern nation, <clears throat> will go into captivity. And he gives the date of how long that captivity will be. And he actually says 70 years. Later on, when we read the book of Daniel, Daniel actually says, in chapter 9, he says, well, one day 
I was reading Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. So he was reading, and he learned something from it. And he tells us what he learned. It's in chapter 9 of Daniel. And he reads about that 70 years. And he says, I just realized our 70 years are up. We're going home. Now, what's fascinating is a lot of people don't catch that Jeremiah is where the 70 years was explained in advance. Daniel read it. Daniel understood it. So what he did is, pardon me, he said the 70 years, and he figured up the 70 years. And that's when, after uh, Nebuchadnezzar and all the stuff takes place in the book of Daniel, after that is when they began returning. And that's when a man named Cyrus, who was actually talked about in Jeremiah, and he's called a Messiah, not the, the Messiah, but he actually is named by name, and we'll see that next week. That's a great hook. And then what happens is when Daniel sees him, he explains to him that the prophet Jeremiah had written this down and said his name and said, you will come and capture Babylon. You will set all the nation of Israel free, and we will return home, and that's how it's going to happen. And he got all that from the book of Jeremiah, and you'll start reading about it in Daniel chapter 9 if you want to. And if you don't want to, you still can. But anyway, do you find that fascinating, John? Very fascinating. Very fascinating. Okay. Well, there's something I did want to point out about the prophets. <clears throat> okay. You know, we ask a lot, a lot of questions about prophets, and it's, you know, especially on this show. And people always talk, and they take verses. And sometimes you take verses out of context. It seems like the verse becomes the conclusion. It's not the conclusion. Okay. <clears throat> Pardon me. The, all the prophets always end on an upbeat note. They always come by, and they always they tell the bad stuff that's happened. Like Jeremiah said, you guys have done this, you've done horrible things. And, and look, I will have to, there will be some recompense for this. We'll have to pay a punishment, that type of thing. But you will be forgiven. So what they always do is they always come back, and they always, the prophets always, um, come back and say, this is the good note. So the the prophets always end, Isaiah does, Jeremiah does, they always end up on a a big note. But I thought, rather than ask a question, but if somebody wants to call in, I'd love to ask a couple people to have their Bibles if they wouldn't mind. They can actually read a passage or two that I'll give them. But what we're going to see is, as all this bad stuff is explained and predicted that's going on in Jeremiah, because Isaiah talked about the northern kingdom of Israel. Jeremiah talks about the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, <clears throat> listen to this. Are you ready, John? I am ready on pins and needles. Okay, well, I hope those needles aren't no. carrying any. <laughs> okay, I understood. Okay. All right. <clears throat> now I'm going to read two or three verses, and it's going to be very, very interesting. Um <clears throat> And God is going, we're going to actually, it's in tonight's passages, but it's in chapter 16. But we're going to actually know why, what caused this punishment of Judah, the nation of Judah. Okay. <clears throat> it says, God, tell them, God says, because your ancestors 
abandoned me and followed other gods. They worshiped them, bowed down to them, while they abandoned me. They did not keep my covenant, my Torah. Now you have done even worse than your ancestors. Each, uh, each of you follows the waywardness of their own evil heart and does not listen to me. Therefore, I will cast you out of this land to a land which neither you nor your fathers know. And there you will serve other gods, day and night. For at that point I will show you no mercy. Now that's in chapter 16. So we know that this punishment is coming. But we also know that somewhere along the line, God is going to tell us, and we're going to start getting into it at the end of our readings tonight. By the way, interesting note. Okay. Did you know uh, the the moon god Jericho was known, uh, you know, as the Moon City? Uh, that's that really is. They actually still have a statue that's erected today in Jericho, and Jericho is the city where the god, the main god, was the Moon God. Today, that basically that god is called Allah. But even before Islam, there was an ancient worshiping of the moon god did you know that John? i was not aware did you would you like to know what its name was what was its name oh i thought you might ask <laughs> i'm thinking you have the answer uh-huh it is believe it or not and i hope you're sitting down and this really gives us something interesting to start phantoming and talking about okay. thinking about anyway its name even before um, before the moon god was worshipped in Islam, it was the word sin, S-I-N. That was its name. Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. So, <clears throat> well, uh, I hope the phones are working. Is there, uh, uh, the phones are working, right, John? Well, you're you're talking on it. Yes, so I'm only talking on one. I was actually, I was actually thinking Soapy should be calling in by now. Any moment now, but he may be waiting for a break because we're getting ready to go to a break. Oh, well. No. And there's our cue music. Hear that? I do. So you can get in on all this levity and uh, by calling us at 340-9585, 340-9585. If you have a question you want uh, you want to ask, you want to answer one of, one of the questions, just join in the conversation. You're more than welcome to do that at 340-9585. Jacob's going to be right back for more of the Bible Live Quiz Show coming up on KSLR. Stay tuned. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for 
for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Have you seen a family divided over property after losing a loved one? Have you known someone who spent months or years fighting in court to receive the property that was left to them? Unfortunately, I often see families fighting in probate court. Wouldn't you like to avoid this situation? I'm Charlie Weisinger, board-certified estate planning attorney with Weisinger Law Firm. At Weisinger Law Firm, we can help you put a plan in place that avoids probate so your loved ones never have to set foot in a cold courtroom. Many times that plan includes a living trust. Let my team help you achieve peace through planning to ensure your family won't be stuck fighting it out in court. Just call 210-308-0800 and we'll help you get a plan in place. We're located just north of San Antonio in Selma, Texas. So call me, Charlie Weisinger, at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800 or weisingerlawfirm.com. Weisinger Law Firm, peace through planning. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. No one said it would be easy. At this station, we know breaking free of old habits takes time. You say no, and friends don't call back. You make good choices, but see no results. You take a stand and find yourself alone. The journey is more difficult than you ever imagined. And, you know, frankly, it would be easier to give in, to turn back. Stop looking for easy. Start looking for answers. On The Word, AM 630, The Word. Listening to the Bible Live, but not with Soapy Dollar tonight, but with Jacob. And you can get in on all the fun at 340-9585. We do have Esther on hold on line three, so just wanted to let uh, Jacob know you're still there, right? I am. I'm still here. Yes, yes. All right. We're in the book of uh, Jeremiah tonight. Oh, yes. Okay. Thanks. I appreciate the matter. Oh, watch for Esther on. Let's talk to her for a moment. Hold on just a second here. We will put her on right there. There you go. Okay. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. I have kind of, (laughs) 
I don't know where to start it. There were so many questions, I got it kind of muddled. But you asked for comments, and as you were talking, I went ahead in the book of Jeremiah. You mentioned early in Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah saying uh, why he's going to punish Judah because of the sins of the forefathers turning away from the father, and then uh, they themselves, that current generation, were even worse than the father. And then a few on the beginning of chapter 15, in Jeremiah verse 15, he goes on to say, this is the God of Israel. Uh, God said to me, thus to Jeremiah, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, I would not turn to this people. In other words, he would not hear their prayer, send them away from me, and have them leave. <laughs> so he's, there's a time when, it, you know, it seems like there's no way through the mess that man has made for himself except to face the wrath of of God. And then what? Also, you know, that's, that's, very, that's, uh, that's a good point. Uh, and I've wondered about that because we know even way back in Kings, God mm-hmm. says uh, what's going to happen to Israel and Judah. So we know, and Jeremiah knows before he begins. And that's a good point you make, because you think, even if Moses or Samuel, so that would indicate that Jeremiah is not quite up to those levels. But what really is interesting to me is those are individuals, yet the lesson that keeps getting repeated is if the people will repent. So it would appear that a prayer of intervention by one of the strong prophets, even Moses, would not be enough. We're not, what do they call it, intercessory prayer, I believe? Right, right. So that would be enough, but he keeps telling it if the people will repent. Yes. This, though, it's kind of terrifying. I hate to be, I know last time I called, I called in kind of a doomsday message. I don't know how else to comment on the book of Jeremiah because he brought quite a bit of bad news. Not that they didn't deserve having it delivered to them, but still. Okay, when you go to, I think it's chapter 25, uh, it's we're talking about the nations drinking, and this is the nations of the earth. So, you know, it's this happened to Israel already. Now it's happening to the true tribes of, of Judah. And then the attention of the Creator is on the nations. And he's saying, uh, Jeremiah is saying, Indeed, God, the Lord of Israel, said to me, Take this cup of wine of wrath from my hand and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. Let them drink, be stunned, and act wildly because of the sword which I am sending against them. I took the cup from God's hand, and I made all the nations to whom God sent me drink of it. Okay, then he goes through a detailed list. Judah, Egypt, mixed peoples, Uz, Philippines, Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, Edom, Dedan, Tima. I've heard preachers say, well... But that's not, I don't know what's going to happen to the U.S. of A. I don't know that America is mentioned. I don't know how you could imagine America is not involved in this. Okay, then 
chapter, uh, verse uh, 20. All the kings of the north, near or far from each other, and all the kingdoms of the earth on the face of the earth. Doesn't that sound like America might be included? And finally, well, and then I'll shut it yeah. up. <laughs> what? No, I, 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 I get it, and I, 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 can, I find it impossible to disagree with you. And what I okay. also find interesting is that the cup of wrath, um, mm-hmm. the Christian scriptures, I know, and I think it's John, you probably could help me out on that, but I think it's, there's a prayer where Jesus is praying and he says, uh, take this cup from me. Yes. Is, is that John, Esther? I'm not sure. It might be in a multitude. It's, I cannot... I'm sitting here in the living room. If I go in where my computer is, my my phone will shut off. I don't know what's going on here, yeah, but I'm kind of restricted in my oh, access. No. I don't have the addresses memorized. Can I finish this one thing, though? Yeah, like, yes, I'm like yes. a little bulldog here. I want yes, to, <laughs> because this is like an underscoring of what I've already brought. Verse, it looks like 28. I think it it might be verse 29 of chapter 25 in Jeremiah. Uh, God continuing speaking, Yahweh says, If they refuse to take the cup from your hands, Jeremiah, to drink, say to them, these are all the nations. The Lord of hosts says, you must drink. But if I punish the city which bears my name first, that's Jerusalem, Will you go unpunished? You will not go unpunished, for I am summoning the sword against all the inhabitants of the earth, says the Lord of hosts. So I think we better sit up and pay attention to Jeremiah. Well, uh, you certainly have my attention. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, let me ask you, uh, I know you're pretty familiar with the Bible, um, and we probably read ahead in Jeremiah, um, is it your impression that there's a somewhat happy ending to, towards the end, or is this going to continue on in this way, do you think? I don't, my, the, my human impression is, it looks like if things were going to change for the better, they would be changing, but, you know, then my hope is that there's mercy, so I don't know. I'm hoping for a good ending. You're saying there's a good ending. What do you think? What is a good ending? Well, I'll read. Yeah. All the prophets prefer to give a uh, an expression of hope. By the way, uh, uh, somebody mm-hmm. just assisted me, and uh, that verse was not John. I was wrong. And fortunately, okay. you were you had such good discretion. You did not agree with me. Uh, but it was in Luke twenty-two forty-two. Okay. So, so hey, it was good that you had not does not agree with me. Well, thank you. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure. I have to say, I wasn't sure. It's easy to get uh, twisted around where things are in scripture. That's why it's so nice to have access to computers. They help us all a lot. You had the right idea. You just had the wrong address. That's all. Well, that is true. But if you ever go, uh, I actually knew somebody I went to, gave somebody a ride home and came back and went to the wrong house because they had the wrong address and walked into the living room and uh, mm-hmm. this woman walked out and said, what do you want? And they realized they had the wrong house and they ran out. I'll not tell you who that happened to. 
<laughs> okay, I won't ask. You don't tell, I won't ask. Okay, that's that's it on as far as my comments on Jeremiah. I was looking at that and poor little Jeremiah. Uh, what a terrible job he had, really, and and to 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 deliver all these uh, heart wrenching messages to people, and uh, he couldn't get married on the command of of uh, oh, of Israel. You. Hey, wait. Thank you. That was actually the first thing I tossed out there. That's the thing that Sophie's talking about. And you answered it. I said, what was, uh, the first question that Sophie really had addressed was, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 16, he was not the, uh, told to participate in something in particular. And you just said it, do not marry. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So John, yeah, he, he couldn't get married or he was at 16. God's word came to me, don't get married so you won't have sons or daughters in this place. For God says uh-huh. of the sons and daughters who will be born here, of their mothers uh-huh. to bear them, and of their fathers who fathered them in the land, they will die terrible deaths. They will not be lamented or buried, but they will be like dung upon the ground. They will perish by the sword and famine, and the corpses will be food for the birds of the sky and the beasts of the earth. Yes. Now, I want to, boy, am I glad you answered that. <clears throat> I actually forgot that was our first question. But mm-hmm. look what it says in verse 2. Look carefully what it says. Verse 2, for God says of the sons and daughters who will be born here. Yes. <clears throat> now. No, wait a minute. Don't get married so you won't have sons or daughters in this place. There you go. So, do, do do you know or do we know if Jeremiah did marry and have children after that place? Well, let me see. I have a star on here. Let me look down here and yeah. see what it says. It says such children, if born, would die, and they would not be saved through Jeremiah's merit. So once permission is given to the destroyer to harm, he does not distinguish between the righteous and the wicked. Right. You didn't answer the question. I have no idea then. Okay. Jeremiah, do you know where, uh, there are some people that insist Jeremiah is buried in, uh, I forgot, some country in India, but that, that I don't believe that's correct. The best knowledge that I have, and among the Jews and the Muslims, actually, it's generally recognized that Jeremiah's tomb, where he's buried, is in Egypt. Uh-huh. <clears throat> wow. So, and we, we do find <clears throat> later on, we do know in about four or five chapters before the end, we're not quite there, maybe we can get to that next week, because that's when we finish it. But it mm-hmm. does say something we know exactly his location, because it says where he's at. Well, um, the tradition is uh, is that he did leave Israel because remember he has offered the opportunity because the uh, <clears throat> everybody liked it. The enemies liked him a lot because he was prophesizing basically that they would win. And after mm-hmm. they got him up out of the well, and uh, and he was all well, they wanted to uh, they offered him to come back to their country with them, Babylon, and he mm-hmm. refused. Well. The rest of the story is, as Paul Harvey used to say, uh, he went to Egypt. Now, mm-hmm. 
he's buried down there, his tomb is there. The understanding is that he did get married down there because he was not prohibited from marrying elsewhere, only from there because of the destruction that was coming. Okay. Okay, now are you ready? Okay, let me read that again to back up what you said because there there is some some definite uh, way to that when you look at even the scripture passage without seeing any other book. Verse 2, don't get married so you won't have sons or daughters in this place. For God says of the sons and daughters who will be born here and of their mothers and so on and so on, that they're going to die terrible deaths. So that says, to, to use the word, in this place and born here, he would only say that if there was an alternative place where that might not be the case, right? That is what Jews understand, and the tradition is. is uh, it's not biblical necessarily, but it is certainly accepted. Uh, the Muslims actually have a place that they call Jeremiah's tomb, and the Jews do agree that that is where he died and buried, and he did marry, he did have some children, but in a different place. And, okay. and so that's a very fascinating thing, but there's even one more that you know some people are going to have a hard time with this, but true or untrue, I find it fascinating. You, you're familiar with uh, Plato and Socrates, etc., right? Say that again. Yes, you're familiar. Plato and Socrates, Greek. yes. I've heard their names. Go ahead. <clears throat> okay. Well, you know, Plato basically was the man that prosecuted his teacher, Socrates. Uh-huh. And Socrates, one of his great offenses was is that he insisted, and this was later in his life, he insisted that there was only one God. Well, the Greeks had many gods. And okay. they, you know, so, but he was teaching what they considered, you know, blasphemy against their gods. And Plato, one of his top students, became his prosecutor. And mm-hmm. anyway, that's what happened to Socrates. But the question mm-hmm. is, where well, did Socrates start getting the idea against Greek teaching that he that there was only one God. Well, I don't know. some of the some of the ancient Jewish history. Do you have a thought on that, Esther? No, I don't know. Well, I, that's why I say you don't have to take this as biblical, but this is there are, there's historical references to this. Is that when Jeremiah went down to Egypt, they had the great uh, library, as you probably heard, in Alexandria, and all the wise people of the world would go there. They wanted all the wisdom of the world in there in Alexandria. Amazing. That's right. (laughs) And Socrates would go. The understanding has been, among certain scholars, that uh, Jeremiah talked with Socrates and told him about the one God. When he returned, he was teaching about one God, and that's what caused him to become uh, violating the law of blasphemy in Greece, where it caused him to get prosecuted. And that is fascinating stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And the, the strength of Jeremiah to be able to hold forth and dialogue with somebody of that the uh, intellectual caliber of Socrates and convince him to step down from his erroneous beliefs in the many, many gods. It's a whole lot easier to believe there's a God for every occasion than 
towards one God, you, you don't understand why if he's so good, there's harm in the world. It's just a lot easier to believe in a big pile of little gods, you know. So yeah, that, that would be the message of Jeremiah. Have you ever given any thought of why idol worship became so prevalent and whether in Greece or Egypt? In fact, the Greek gods, actually, where they obtained them, they gave them Greek names, but they actually did. They were the Egyptian gods, but they gave them Greek names. But they, they are the same gods in substance, actually still uh -huh. appeared in Egypt. And many uh -huh. of the, the Egyptian gods, they got straight from Babylon. That sounds like there's a driving force with one goal behind that, directing them. You know, like you herd cattle in the same direction, and then you're wondering why are the cattle running that way, because it's the intent of the herdsmen to push them in that direction. So you wonder who's pushing them and why, and that would be Satan, right? The adversary. Right. The adversary, exactly. So, and since you bring that up, you know, I always like to put stories in their kind of their context. And uh, mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier before we called and I was talking to John, I said, you know, um, when Joshua and the boys, when they crossed over into Israel, they first battled, combated at Jericho. Jericho's God was the moon god. That's actually what I'm talking heard that. about. I heard that. I heard you say that. And, uh, so, so. I don't yeah, yeah, and even today, it's really a Muslim city, and they still have mm -hmm. a big statue out front of um, mm -hmm. what they call the moon god. But mm -hmm. um, what's, what's really interesting to me is, if you put the story in context of Joshua, the Jews, the Israelites, the Israelis, they crossed over, and when they came up to Jericho, all they did was blow the horn. And uh -huh. when they blew the horn... The walls fell down. Right. Now, so what you have is the real God confronting mm -hmm. the false God. It's a battle mm -hmm. of gods, you might say, the real God versus the false God. And Jericho mm -hmm. falls. After God does that battle, then it's up to, rest to the rest of the Israelis to go ahead and battle the rest of the country. And by the way, as an interesting note, uh, today the Jews in Israel are called Israelis, and while we call them Israelites in the Bible, technically in the Hebrew, they're still called Israelis. <laughs> so, isn't um, that interesting? So, that is so they, an interesting they, aside. You're very strange. You come out with all of these little points of interest. That's, 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 uh, I think that I'm qualified to enter in some kind of a Bible game of information, factoids. <laughs> but I can't remember. That is very interesting, yes. yes. Well, and if I might... Yeah, did you know in that vein that when, uh, let's see, Potiphar, a priest of On, uh, Joseph went to Egypt and the Pharaoh gave him as wife Asenath, daughter of... Potiphera, priest of On, O N. So yeah. there's another strange name for the factoid pile. Right, and uh, the, it's a gr the stories when you put them in context just start really making sense. It's things we watch in movies all the time, but sometimes uh -huh. we do so many isolated studies that we can't put the story together. For example. Uh, in the Hebrew way of reading uh, the book of Genesis, 
the, the uh-huh. if you read part, chapter one and chapter two, you really haven't read the, the the important part of Genesis. It's it's understood to be it's supposed to be read from one one to six nine. Uh-huh. That's the portion they call it. And so uh-huh. we have different chapters in there. So if you read two or three chapters, you're not catching what the writer had meant to tell as a complete story. But I want to go back to Jericho for a second. Did you ever wonder why blowing the horn seven times made those walls fall? I have wondered, yes, I have wondered. Well, remember back at Mount Sinai, God's Mm -hmm. voice sounded like a shofar. Right. When God spoke, he spoke like, you know, like a shofar. Mm -hmm. And so... And the exact words in Hebrew that says his voice sounded like a shofar are the exact words that's used when they're circling Jericho's walls when they fall down. So what they, they symbolically did, they sort of had God's voice as a great shofar, and they put, mm-hmm. put it in their shofar horns that they individually had, the priest. Mm-hmm. And so they carried the voice of God in their shofar to confront the God, the moon God in Jericho, Jericho. Mm-hmm. And so when they circled and they blew the horn, they actually were hearing the voice of God. And what did they also carry was the Ark of the Covenant. So they yeah. heard the voice and they saw the covenant and the moon God collapsed. Great story, mm-hmm. eh? It really is, and there I can't think of which ancient book it was that I was reading about the voice of God, okay? The Israelite tribes, uh, the Israeli tribes, uh, when they went to battle, then they would shout for God has given them the victory, right? And that's in various other battles. They would shout, shout, because... God has given you the victory. Yahweh has given you the victory. Okay. And what they said in the ancient book was the shouting of the Israelis in unison would move walls. It was like a solid burst of uh, energy that you could not overcome. They absolutely would decimate the enemy by the sound of their their voices. And if you're saying that that's the sound of the voice of God himself, you you know, speaking through these people, that is amazing. And, you know, on the subject of just sound alone, apart from the power of God's voice, uh, my dad used to say in World War II when the men would cross a bridge, they had to break their marching pattern because if they kept marching, that repetitive sound somehow would cause the the bridge or it was possible for the bridge to collapse. I don't know how shaky the bridge had to be or whatever, but that, you know, was something that the people generally understood to be true at that time. Wow. So, yeah, it, the shining of the light to bring down the walls is uh, really, that's very powerful. It's not just shouting. Yeah, I've heard the repetitive concussion of a tune can cause yeah. uh, vibrations that do that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Well, listen, thank you so much for calling in. I'm sorry I kept you on the phone so long. but Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the program. So, Wait, wait till I want to tell you. Wait till you hear, I guess. John, are you there? I'm still here. Yes, sir. Okay, so I want to make sure you're awake. Didn't want to bother you. <laughs> the, um, the, uh, how close are we to the break right now? Uh, about 40 seconds. Great. Okay, well, after this, I'm going to talk about what happened at Shiloh, and it's in the book of Jeremiah, what actually is the reason that Jeremiah gets beat up, flogged, and thrown down the well. <laughs> so that'll be after the break. And I'm going to tie it into something today that very few people know, and they will be shocked when they hear it. And I mean, but that's not a teaser, but you'll be shocked, and you can Google it and verify if I'm telling the truth. John knows because we yeah. talked about it last uh, week. Yes. So. All right, well, listen, how close are we now, John? Uh, we'll get ready. I'm ready. Talk to you later. Thank you, Esther. All right, thanks. Good night. All right, you're listening to the Bible Live Quiz Show, and you can do what Esther did, call in and be part of the discussion at 340-9585. If you want to add to the discussion, ask a question, answer one of the questions that uh, that Jacob read earlier, 340-9585 is how, how you do it. And we'll return with more of the Bible Live Quiz Show in just a moment right here on KSLR. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Welcome back to the Bible Live Quiz Show. Unfortunately, not with Soapy Dollar this evening. I have to listen to this because it's it's my favorite hymn of all time, the first song of Isaiah. We do have Jacob. He's uh he's with us by phone though. Jacob, you still there? I am. What do you mean? You're sorry it's not soapy. No, I didn't say I'm sorry. I didn't say sorry it's not soapy. Just sorry soapy's not here. Well, okay. Well, I'm going to get you back for your See, favorite there, there, are, there are people who listen to you. You know, the two the, enjoy the two of you together. You know, his point of view, and then and then, and then you give uh, another point, a perspective, point of view. Well, you know, I I understand. You know, I've always been concerned about because in all the you know, Christian churches they have the hymnals, right, John? That's correct. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was always concerned about that because you know I was thinking, well, in the age of equality, maybe they got to call them hernals. And then if the unisex and equality, maybe they got to call me urinals. So I don't know if they say open up a urine. <laughs> hey there, are you there, John? Are you yes, still there? Yes, I'm still here, yes. 
Okay. Hey, before we, before we continue, I just wanted to uh, say to everyone out there, I uh, wish everyone a happy Labor Day weekend. Oh, that's very nice. Does that include me? That includes anyone listening. Any Well, anyone who's not listening as well. Okay, well, I'm not listening as well myself. But, um, in if fact, you can, hear, if you can hear the sound of my voice, happy Labor Day. And if you can't hear the sound of my voice, well, then why am I talking? I gotcha. Now, let's go to the next question, okay? And I'm going to go ahead and address it because, and I know you and I have talked about a lot of things. question you're going to throw out to the listeners? Sure. And, and if they, they want to call. need a phone number, 340-9585. 340-9585. Great. Thank you, John. Okay. And go ahead with your question. Thank you, sir. Okay, well, and the question was, when Jeremiah stood in front of the temple and announced that God would destroy Jerusalem, just as he had destroyed the city of Shiloh, or what, uh, in the north, what was located in that city of Shiloh? Well, everybody knows that Shiloh was really where the first, and it was a transitory tabernacle. Not, it wasn't like the big temple, but it was a temple. It was the first kind of solid quasi-permanent place after they came out of the desert. But this is what got Jeremiah in lots of trouble, got him flogged, and actually got him uh, thrown in eventually to the well. Because what happened is um, the Philistines had destroyed the first tabernacle. In the words, you'll find that talked about in the book of Kings. So Jeremiah is standing here saying, hey, you know, we're going to get the, um, God's going to destroy this temple. And they didn't like that. Of course, you know, they didn't think that would happen. And, of course, it was even worse because he was going to destroy the, uh, the actual city of Jerusalem. And as an interesting point, uh, the same date in history when the first temple was destroyed was exactly the same date in history that the Romans later destroyed the, the second temple. <clears throat> and anyway, let me read you this passage. It's out of chapter 26. And it says, God said, God said to Jeremiah, Say to them, If you do not listen to me following my Torahs, <clears throat> Pardon me, which I have set before you, and obeying my words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have sent to you constantly, though you did not obey, then I will make this temple like Shiloh. Now that's the tabernacle equivalent to what the Palestinians, the Palestinians destroyed. And, and he adds something even greater. He says, and I will make the city a curse for all nations of the earth. And did you catch that? I'll make the city a curse for all the nations of the earth. Mm-hmm. So there's one thing, he's going to make it like Shiloh, the tabernacle's getting destroyed, but the city's also going to get destroyed. Got A lot of folks didn't like that coming out of Jeremiah, so they, they actually flogged him, eventually gets thrown into their well. But my question, John, I know you and I talked about it a little bit last week, and before I tell what it was, did you Google and verify Okay, tell me that again. Did uh, okay. Yes, because we talked about this last week, but I'm about to say. Well, no, Siggy, uh, I wasn't here last week, so. Oh, that, okay. Well, that was actually my error. It was a, not a trick question, just an outright error. I meant two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Uh, well, 
I'll admit, no, I did not. Okay, well, then this will be as exciting for you as the first time. Pins and needles. The, uh, yes, okay, there you go with your needles again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, okay, now, listen to that last verse. I'll make the city a curse for nations of the earth. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the city? It's Jerusalem, right? Right. Right. Well, uh, let me give a little little ex- background explanation. Uh, I've been I've been to Italy, you know, three four times, and I've been to the Vatican, and uh, and as you enter into one of the main roads into Italy, there's the Arch, and you you can Google this, but okay. wait to hear the list. It's called the Arch of Titus, and and there's a big arch right over the highway, and it's got a it's got a little shelf that sticks out like a relief art, and if you look. Across that little shelf that sticks out with all this relief art, you see the Roman soldiers bringing back all the treasures of Jerusalem. And they, and they even have the golden menorah there, which is rumored to be in the recesses of the Vatican. Anyway, <clears throat> I'll tell you about that sometime. But, uh, so on this shelf, you have all these treasures bringing back. Well, the one thing that's missing is the ark. Now, that's what the Romans, going back to earlier times, where as we talked about when Jeremiah was told to hide the ark. And that's actually what he said. It's in chapter 3 of Jeremiah, verses 16, 17. How about that, huh? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Let me just, I'm just summarizing here. Okay. God says to Jeremiah, and basically to understand, Jeremiah basically hid it. So, the Babylonians didn't even get it. The Romans didn't get the ark. In fact, starting at 16 in chapter 3, God says, In those days, when you increase and multiply in the land, people will no longer say the ark of God's covenant. And they will remember, no longer think of it. They will not mention it or remember it, nor make another. They will forget where it's at. And today everybody says, where is the Ark of the Covenant? There it is in chapter 3. That's why it disappeared. If you ask somebody, well, why did it disappear? Well, evidently, God told Jeremiah to hide it, and God said, they'll not know where it's at anymore. Well, until until the end, close to the end of days, you might say. And so there it is, and it says they'll no longer do it. But then God goes on to say in verse 18, in those, days, in those days, the house of Judah will go with the house of Israel. They will come together back from the land of the north to the land which I have given your ancestors as an inheritance. In other words, when they return, they'll suddenly start finding and remember the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I told you about the Arch of Titus as you enter into Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you write that down? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, we can have it laminated for your wallet. Okay, now, there's a Latin phrase. Now, I, I ever, people that don't know this, and I find most people don't know it. <clears throat> but, pardon me, as you enter in, there's a Latin phrase okay. above it. And it's uh, three or four or five words. But the, an ac- the acronym of the words are... You know what acronym is where you take the letters of each couple of words and make another word, right, John? Yes, yes. Okay. I know you're a trivia expert, and that's right up your alley. 
So here is what I'm going to invite everybody to verify if I'm correct or not, and I am. The because people in the movies, I watched the movie just a couple of days ago, and in the movie, they said three cheers, and the, in fact, it was uh, support your local gunfighter, and and they said here's three cheers, hip hip hooray, hip hip hooray, hip hip hooray, hip hip hooray is the Latin phrase on the Arch of Titus, and what it means in English is hooray, Jerusalem has been destroyed. Ah. Yeah, so when people say that hip, hip, hooray, they don't know. They think it's just some kind of a great slogan to say, uh, but it's actually become an epitaph, uh, something that carries a negative meaning, but almost nobody realizes what they're really saying. I had never but when you I, say, the first I've heard that. Well, actually, John, far be it for me to tell you that I told you two weeks ago before you went on the trip, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> two weeks ago, you know, that's you know that's a hurricane and all things I understand. And and I couldn't possibly not be remembering myself. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, but hip hip hooray, and I know you're really good on computers, John, but you can if you Google the words hip hip hooray, it'll come up with all kinds of examples, but they all will agree that it means hooray, Jerusalem is destroyed. Now look at here. In these verses I have just read. That said, I'm going to make it the temple go away like at Shiloh. <clears throat> and uh, I'll make the city a curse for all the nations on the earth. And almost everybody has a similar phrase they say without knowing the meaning. Hip, hip, hooray. Jerusalem is destroyed. Isn't that just a shocking revelation? I am shocked. Be- I am beside myself. Well, that's uh, that's. Actually, what the Ross Perot said when he got cloned. <laughs> anyway, what I want to say is that is fascinating to me. I mean, I, those kind of things just make me marvel. I read this, and I go back, and I look, and I think, it does say that. By the way, I'd ask another question. <clears throat> now, let's... Okay, I, I am looking at I am looking at Wikipedia. That was the first link that I came to, and they're okay. talking about how it has been suggested that the word "hip" stems from a medieval Latin acronym. I can't even pronounce this, but "hero solima." I hope I pronounced yeah. it. As okay. Perdita, yeah. meaning Jerusalem is lost. Well, lost or destroyed. I think more accurate, I believe, is. Uh, is the um, um, is destroyed, but no, that's fine. Lost, destroyed, but you can see it's referring to the yeah, city. it's, it's referring to Jerusalem. You're right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, when you and you pull, look at some of the others you pulled, then thank you for looking. By the way, how, um, how would that necessarily become a, a a phrase that we use as like a cheer when we're excited about something or we're celebrating something? Or, well, I, I can only speculate on my, from my point of view, uh, generally the, the nations before they found Christianity were pagan nations. So they naturally would rebel, I think, and not like God nor his laws. Okay. That's my speculation, and of course, <clears throat> I, I'm an expert in my own opinion. <laughs> so I think I'm right. 
at any rate, what's fascinating to me is also, now, the last chapter that we're going to deal with tonight is, it's actually, and I started off the show by talking about it, so we're kind of making a full circle here. Now, remember, the God said in the book of Jeremiah, they'll forget where it's at until the nation of Israel, that's the other tribes and the tribe of Judah, they all return to Israel. Then they'll find it. So it is fascinating that all this time people seem to uh, have not have had questions and movies, even the Ark, Raiders of the Lost Ark, everything. Where's the Ark? Where's that? Well, assuming the Bible's correct, only the Levites could have handled it. Now, that means unless the Levites carried it out, it was right there where it's always been, right in, right in, inside the temple mount where I was describing that they had actually gone down and there was like a staircase cut inside of the mountain. This, they found this uh, 2000, 2001, something like that. At any rate, <clears throat> let me go over to uh, chapter 31, 33 of Jeremiah. Okay. Are you ready, Jim? I'm ready. Okay. All right. Um, now, it starts off like this. And I had asked a question, where is this at? I did say it was in the book of Hebrews, uh, in the New Testament. Um, but this is from Jeremiah. They're quoting it from Jeremiah. And I'd like to really accentuate a couple of the very interesting words. I'm going to start at 32. Rather, this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, God says. I will set my Torah, the commandments, among them and inscribe them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one person have to say to his fellow man and his brother, No God, for they will all know me, says God, from the least of them to the greatest of them. And now he says, I will forgive all their sins. I will no more remember their iniquities any longer. Now, that occurs in the book of Hebrew, in the New Testament, two places. In chapter 8, verse 10, and in chapter 10, verse 16. And I, I, I always hasten to point out that God's laws cannot be done away with if indeed they're in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, and God says he's going to write his laws on their hearts. And it's coming from Jeremiah, where it's clearly referencing what was written on the two tablets of stone that's in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, that's fascinating, because if those laws are done away with, evidently somebody forgot to tell God, because in the New Testament, he's saying that he's going to write them again on people's hearts. But what I really want to tell you, in the New King James, and I, I keep many different versions, NASB, New King James, a lot of them, uh, but in there, the way they translate it, they say, instead of my fellow man, they say, tell his neighbor and his brother. Now, that seems like maybe just a, a second reference to the same person, but it's not. From the Hebrew, it means this. His brother would be a fellow Jew. My fellow man, or the way they do it in the New King James, my neighbor is the non-Jews. And they're quoting it twice, chapter 8, chapter 10, in the book of Hebrews. Oh. Now, so that 
is saying it's for everybody. It wasn't, and Jeremiah is what it's quoted from. And so it's saying it's for the Jews and the non-Jews. That, to me, has always been really revelatory. Uh, I've always liked it. I would feel really bad if I said, and they will be my people and I will be their God, but it doesn't mention everybody. Fortunately, for my peace of mind and in God's wisdom, he mentions everybody. He's saying my neighbor and my and my brother. So it's fascinating because when Jesus talks about my brothers, you know, he talks about Matthew. He says, mm-hmm. "Who's been nice to the sheep? They've been nice to my brothers." Well, that's the Jews. So what this passage is saying exactly the same thing, and I and I'm always astounded by that because if he's going to write them on their hearts, then they must not have been done away with. And and as we'll see in another prophet's books when we read it, they'll explain even further when the Jews return to Israel. And for 2,000 years, there was no country named Israel. And so when Israel was reestablished in 1948, the Jews began returning. By the way, there's only approximately, there's less than 16 million Jews in the world. There's as many Jews in the United States as there are Israel. Um, the, the Jews in France and other countries are starting to leave oh. and go to Israel. But And that also makes reference at that time, the other items, the earth will reveal its mysteries, and the uh, the other items, such as the ark, the breastplate. And as I told you at the beginning of the show, uh, I tried to Google it today, but I didn't have enough time to really research it. But I did hear with my own ears that Rabbi say, I've been asked not to say if we found the ark of the covenant inside Mount Sinai, or I'm sorry, Mount Zion, where the temple is, was. Uh, but I will tell you that we're no longer looking for it, which is kind of a humorous Jewish way of saying, oh, I think we may have it, you know. But uh, so these things seem to be coming together. Do you, do you catch my drift, John? I do catch your drift. Okay, well, I'm so glad. So when we go down through that and we start catching it, and we start saying, wow, Jeremiah says, and remember Jeremiah is also the one, of course, the famous, famous verse that a lot of people know. My house will be a house for people of all nations. And so there was a plan from the very beginning that there would be nobody excluded. The the non-Jews, the Gentiles, would be included right along equally with the Jews. And so there was no idea that they would be excluded. And here's the verse quoted twice. And like I say, it must be that God planted, thought those laws were pretty good because I started off on purpose reading a passage of why Jerusalem and Judah and Israel got in trouble. I started off by reading that passage saying, it's because they didn't follow my laws and they went after other gods. Well, so therefore, but the ark was actually hidden by Jeremiah before that passage was written. And if you go back and you look at, in Rome, the Arch of Titus, the only thing it's missing is the ark. If you go back and you read in Limit, Limitations, which is also written by Jeremiah right after the book of Jeremiah, he everything was taken, and guess what's not mentioned? The ark. Wow. The ark, everybody's been searching for when and why did it go away? God said, told Jeremiah to do it in chapter 3 of Jeremiah. 
has this been an eventual uh, class or uh, conversation we've had? Yes, very much so, very much so. Well, I always love sharing these things because I've always been just fascinated and loved them when people first told me. And nothing I've said, I can't take credit for anything because if somebody hadn't told me, I wouldn't know. Too true, too true. Oh, I say, oh, yeah, because you've heard me try to explain things that I think I know before. <laughs> well, you, you are a self-proclaimed expert in your own opinion. That is true, yes. Anyway, so, but, and at the, as we'll see as the book of Jeremiah concludes next week, there's going to be something that somebody never catches. I shouldn't say never, but you kind of got to be a student and be interested and spend some time. Because these things, like a, it's like a work of art. A work of art, ask for your time. You've got to use, you've got to read it, you've got to think about it. But there's a couple of things coming up that will be ending on a very hopeful note. And there's even a language that comes up next week that's in the book of Jeremiah that is no known language. Jeremiah, for God, invented the language. And I'll give everybody a hint where it occurs. It's in chapter 33 of Jeremiah, which we won't get to until next week when we conclude Jeremiah. And it also ends on a happy note that, you know, eventually God wins, and, and he says, I restore all Jews and all nations to his house, the house of prayer for all people. But we'll get to all that next week, but I wanted to give that little hint so people can read it and see what it says if they like to. So, John. Yes, sir. What are you? What are your thoughts at this point? I'm just. I'm. I'm interested in the whole finding the ark. Ah. Well, I know you're really good on the computer, and if you want to, you can start googling it. I think that when that was, I think it was year 2000 or 2001. Oh, are we going now? Are we going again? No. John? Can you hear it? Yeah. Okay, I want to say, remember, remember, always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. But we were talking about the ark. <laughs> I thought that was the music. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about to sign off anyway, so. John, next, next week, next week, maybe you can find that song, uh, uh, from Exodus, the movie Exodus, and play a little bit of that. Okay, we should have we should have that, so so I can do that. Okay, thank you, John. Good night to you and everybody. Hey, you did a wonderful job as always. Okay, good night. Tune in next week when Sophie returns and Jake Jacob returns, and it'll just be a whole lot of fun going through the Bible with them on the Bible Live Quiz Show on KSLR. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Sophie and The Bible Live broadcast.
may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.